Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Who doesn't love a good wedding? There's dancing, there's eating, there's merrymaking, there's people making drunk toasts and embarrassing themselves and others. We all love a good wedding. Are you particularly attached to the idea that the wedding would be between, say, two human beings? Well, if you're a little more open-minded than that, I take you to the town of San Pedro Huamalula, located in the southwestern state of Oaxaca on Mexico's Pacific coast, where the mayor of the town, who is of indigenous descent, Victor Hugo Sosa, just got married to a seven-year-old alligator. And yes, in case you're wondering, the alligator was wearing white. Not because the alligator chose to wear white, but because those are the clothes that the locals dress the alligator in, in this colorful ceremony that dates back hundreds of years in the region. Yes, at various points in the ceremony, the crowd urges the mayor to kiss the bride, which he did, lips to snout. Fortunately for the mayor, the bride's jaws had been tied shut, no comment. If you're wondering why they would do this, again, it's not some weird, lurid thing. It's more of an indigenous tradition that dates back to the pre-Spanish colonization days. And some of these groups have their own languages, and they've obviously kept long-standing traditions alive to this day. The historic alligator marriage ritual, which takes place in San Pedro Huamalula every year, so somebody gets married to an alligator every year, it's not been clear to me whether this mayor has wed multiple alligators or whether other dignitaries and officials do so. I'll get back to you if I learn more. The ceremony basically represents a blending of indigenous traditions and Catholicism, and the alligator is a kind of deity representing Mother Earth. The marriage itself is thought to be a ceremony that brings alignment between the townsfolk and the earth and the rain that they need because they're heavily reliant on agriculture and fishing. It's an abundance ritual. Mayor Sosa says, we ask nature for enough rain, for enough food, that we have fish in the river. And obviously, who else would you ask but Mother Earth through her representative of the bride alligator? The organizer of the wedding, Elia Aguilar, says, it gives me so much happiness and makes me proud of my roots. It's a very beautiful tradition. Now, I know it's easy to scoff at something like this. It seems ridiculous, but... Shall I remind you that grown people dress up in colorful costumes and get together in large groups to throw moon pies and beads at each other for a thing called Mardi Gras every year? Or that children routinely take pieces of tooth that have fallen out of their mouths, stick them under their pillow, and wait for a benevolent airborne deity to deposit money in exchange for the tooth? Or that some children will actually write letters to a bearded rotund fellow who lives far to the north in the planet in exchange for his promise to bring them goodies every year if they behave well. I'm just saying it's easy to say alligator weddings are weird, but maybe take a look around once in a while. And now from the end of day's file, Mormon crickets. The plague of Mormon crickets destroying millions of acres of farmland in Oregon. These particular insects are about two inches long, and no, they're not Latter-day Saints. They don't follow Joseph Smith or sing amazing choral hymns. They do not fly, which is kind of weird. They sort of hop, but they do not fly. They mostly just walk across the ground, and they can travel up to a mile a day. Because they're not technically even crickets. The reason they're called Mormons is because they plagued Mormon settlers in Utah in the 1800s and ever since. 
In 2021, 10 million acres of Oregon rangeland in 18 counties were damaged by these insect swarms. Sky Krebs, a rancher, told the AP that the infestations are truly biblical. Now, point of order about the biblical reference, okay? Uh, nobody ever says that about flies or when it hails or when it's really dark outside. They only bring out the biblical comparison when it's locusts or frogs or the river turns to blood. Very inconsistent application of Exodus. But back to the point. Sky Krebs says on the highways, once you get them killed, then the rest of them just keep on coming. And here's the weird thing. These millions of Mormon crickets travel like ants across the ground. You can see them, for example, on the highways, moving around like the floor is alive. Yeah, it's super creepy. <laughs> and in fact, some of the researchers that have been working on this say that precisely because they don't fly, they can get on you in weird ways. They sneak up on you too. Like they might crawl up your pant leg and you don't feel it until they get all the way up to your neck. And then they're, they're really big, juicy insects. So you kind of have to fight the urge to slap them or you'll get a whole bunch of juicy guts all over your neck. You got to watch out for that. Oh, I just don't need to be thinking about this. So the researchers are trying to figure out why they do this. They don't really understand why they swarm, what makes them move and migrate the way they do. They're actually predated upon by other crickets who will eat them. Please do so faster. But they're just looking around for protein and salt that are crucial to their survival. And the ground swarms are so thick that people take to very unconventional measures to fighting them. In 2017, one farmer in Arlington, Oregon, said that she got the lawnmower out and just started mowing them. Yes, there are some pesticide treatments, but they have other side effects, so that's kind of not the most favored way. But weirdly, because they don't fly, physical barriers like a wall sometimes works, or loud music, or even a biopesticide based on a fungus that kills them off by eating their digestive system. Having seen video of these swarms and having myself lived in Southern Oregon for a couple of years, which is a beautiful place to live, I'll tell you exactly what my answer would be. I'm leaving the state. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And finally, from the if you thought that last story was apocalyptic, hold my beer file. San Franciscans are reporting that anchovies have been falling from the sky onto the streets like fish rain from heaven. One person said about 12 8-inch silverfish just rained down from the sky onto her friend's roof and back deck. Others say they've seen them scattered around the city in unexplained places. Yet another said that they saw a smaller 5- to 6-inch long skinny sardine-looking fish scattered on part of the Arboretum, almost got hit by a fish waiting for a bus in the Castro, and somebody else saw a bunch on a sidewalk and then a block later started raining down and thumping on the sidewalk next to him. So what on earth is causing sardines to rain down from heaven? One theory is it might have been a water spout. That did happen not that long ago in Texarkana, but that wouldn't explain all of them and the variety of them. No, it's not anchovy natos. Although I'm sure if you made the movie, Tara Reid would participate. No, there's actually a weirdly even creepier explanation that's perfectly scientific. Apparently, there's been a huge bloom in the bay of plankton, including dinoflagellates and other zooplankton, which means that the sardines have a huge amount of food, and so they are overpopulating. And as a result of overpopulating anchovies, the seabirds are eating as much as they possibly can and just completely gorging themselves to the point where 
They can't even fit more inside their bodies, but they still have the live ones flopping around inside their mouths as they fly away. And as they go over the city, the anchovies will flop out of their mouths and fall down to the ground like anchovy rain. One person told the San Francisco Chronicle, I heard stories just last week from guys who said that the water out there completely covered with thousands of birds and they were just sitting there with anchovies in their mouths because they couldn't eat anymore. So it's not some new biblical plague. It's just really happy pelicans. But if I have any one takeaway from today's episode, I think it's got to be that of all of these stories, an alligator wedding is actually the least weird of them. That's it for the daily break. Be sure to head over to newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five sardine review before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the daily break brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.